I definitely knew this had to be my next film because I might not have the stomach for it in a few years as I grow softer and softer. In the 90s, the Nazi punks were at every show we would go to in Washington, D.C. They were a much more visible presence. I mean, even when I wrote this movie, it was uh, a throwback to the 90s. And unfortunately, it's become far too relevant in the last two years. Um, because they used punk rock as a recruitment tool. And it, it was part of the scene, yet very separate. They didn't share the ideology and they attracted violence. They, you know, it, they were never the majority in Washington, D.C. But when they were there, uh, they'd cause trouble sometimes, but more often than not, they would get beat up. They weren't welcome, but they attracted violence. And I think one time there was a stabbing outside a club and just stuck with me and because they are, they are militarized. They are in uniform. They have a different structure than vegans who go like somewhere after the show and talk about stuff, you know. And they're scary. Like, and there's there's, a, there's bands I was referring to directly. They are that leaned Nazi that would go to shows. People liked their music, didn't quite hear the lyrics, and they would beat the fuck out of people in the pit, you know. Once you know, I got beat up. I was in a hardcore band, you know, just kind of played a couple of shows. It was more of a wallflower. This guy, Larry, who's big in the DC scene, beat the shit out of me for no reason. Didn't know, know who I was. And it was just part of this, the violence, you know, and it was real. And then I went back, I was like, whoa, I just got my ass kicked, and that, why did Larry do that? And he's like, oh, he probably didn't know it was you, man. He's a big fan of your band. I was like, shit. Nazi redneck assholes, fuck off. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. We are back in the oh. same room at the yes. same time for the first time in a long time. Guys, feels good. Does yes. feel good. Hello. We, we got derailed by COVID for a long time, and then just when we all got vaccinated and we were ready to get back to doing this in person, Kevin was relocated to Memphis for like six months. Is it six months? Was it, it feels like it's been more than that. Six but so, a week shy of six. So this is our first time back. Very exciting this week. Nazi redneck assholes, fuck off. Nazis, uh, always a, a handy, pre-packaged, off-the-rack, ad-water villain for any movie, but especially horror movies. We actually, we just talked about Ouija Origin of Evil, and I don't think we even got to the Nazi part of that movie, which is actually a pretty important part of it. Um, we talked about Overlord back on our uh, This Means War episode. We've talked about a number of European horror movies that kind of use the the Nazi subtext a little bit, the legacy of World War II and, and Germany and all that stuff that's a little bit less explicit. So no strangers to uh, Nazis on Speak All Evil. This week we have two very uh, forward-facing Nazi movies. There's nothing uh, implicit or suggested or alluded to about these movies. These are American history X-style Nazis right in your face, uh, starting off with Dead Snow. Yeah, Dead Snow 2009. <clears throat> this is a Norwegian film written and directed by Tommy Awarkula, who apparently also has a cameo as a zombie, as any good director of a zombie movie would make sure they do. So, it's a little film, $2 million budget, $2.2 million at the box office, but it got a lot of traction on home video, as a lot of our movies that we talk about tend to do. So basically, you've got seven friends who are inexplicably heading into the snowy mountains to have a vacation at one of their girlfriend's cabins. And I don't know that this is my idea of a vacation, is driving up into the mountains and then hiking 45 minutes to a cabin which us horror fans know is a bad idea anyway, without plumbing. So you also got an outhouse. But just like all cliche horror movies, they get to the cabin, some shit happens, and all of a sudden they are being attacked by come back from the dead 
Nazi soldiers uh, led by Colonel Herzog, I believe his name was. Yes. Uh, You've got everything you need in this movie if you're just a a casual horror fan. You've got the Harbinger, who is great in this. Got a great Harbinger up there with Cabin in the Woods. Uh, You have every cliche character. It's a very eclectic cast of people that you have to kill off in this movie. You've got some nice pulp fiction like treasure that you find. Uh, and then all the while you're just kind of fig- trying to figure out why are these uh, why have these Nazis come back from the dead? Why are they trying to kill these people? Uh, and you've got a lot of great gore. So I thought this was a great one. It's fun. It's very easy to pull apart. It, there's so many like stupid things. It does a ton of horror cliches. Dave just put on the sequel and it actually starts with some clips from the first one. You've got our friend Erland wearing a brain dead shirt. Uh, totally giving homage to Peter Jackson. That's my middle name, by the way. Erland what? is my middle name. You hardly ever hear that name. Erland is your middle name? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I guess I knew that. I never knew that. So you've got a lot. You have the whole conversation they have when they first get into the woods where they literally start naming movies uh, that they're basically about to walk into. Uh, good gore. I think, you know, it's not going to go down as a classic, but it's totally worth a watch if you're a horror fan, if you're a zombie fan, uh, if you like these types of not maybe totally traditional slasher movie. It's a slasher setup where Nazi zombies show up. Uh, I dug it. What did you guys think? I, I, I like Dead Snow a lot. It didn't age that well, but uh, this director has gone on to do some really crazy things. Um, but I like how dead snow does like a different zombie trope where it's kind of like these Nazis have been, you think they've been, they've been experimented on and they've been injected with something rather than the kind of rabid feral, uh, you get bit by a zombie. Now you have two zombies, you know, like that, that wasn't really the case. So people could like fix their wounds. There's a really good, uh, stitching, uh, scene in this and there's great gore. (laughs) The, uh, the split in half guy oh. out the window was oh really God. great. I really liked a lot of the gore and there's so many moments in this movie when I'm watching it where I'm like, yeah, this movie sucks. And then it does something where you're like, Oh, okay. Okay. Well, maybe you don't suck. You've, you've piqued my interest more and you kind of make the whole way through that. There's no surprises. Um, it's just kind of a fun horror movie and, uh, I like it for that. Um, what did you think, Trent? You know, I like this movie too. I, I'm pretty much the same assessment as you guys. I I first saw this when it first came out on DVD, and I was like pleasantly surprised. I think I rented this as like my bonus freebie or something. You know, you go to the rental store, it's like two for one. I got something I really wanted to see, and then I was like, ah, I'm tired of seeing this on the shelf. Dead snow. I don't know. Uh, and I liked it then. I was kind of surprised. So that element was a little bit lost. I already knew what I was getting into, which is you know quality. Horror comedy, I guess, like, I think it's supposed to be kind of horror comedy. I didn't think it was particularly funny. It was more like goofy, which is fine. It, it wasn't unfunny. It didn't bother me at all, but I think it was hoping to be funnier than it was. Um, the gore, I mean, innards galore. You must have been very happy. I was in I thought all of you my, a lot. Uh, yeah, I was in all my entrail glory in this movie. All the innards you could ask for, all the innards that you deserve in a zombie movie, because this is a zombie movie, like you said, Kevin, set up like a slasher. The Nazi thing is... I mean, really doesn't even matter. I think that's just, again, the prepackaged, you know, and, and we can get into that story. The story was kind of dumb, like the plot was dumb, but all the effects were great. Um, Dave, you mentioned the fishhook stitching. This is the yes. third movie we've seen recently. We saw that in Ouija Origin of Evil again, where the- Into the Earth in, as well. Into the Earth we saw. We've seen a lot of fishhook stitching. I'd say um, we've probably seen many, many more of those scenes over the- entirety of the podcast so you know that's always good it it hit all the right notes i thought the characters could have been a little more stereotypical if if you're not going to develop them at all I, i thought they were like pretty interchangeable like yeah i know there's the movie geek guy and he spouts off some very obvious easy movie references like in one scene in the movie but then it never comes back to that again. Like you have him set the whole thing up. He mentions Friday the 13th and Evil Dead. He's got the the brain dead t-shirt on. But then it never comes back around. Like you'd think well, that would come up again. There's yeah. that one scene where he breaks out of the, uh, he goes the aval- avalanche yeah. and then he goes into like the catacombs or whatever. And his hand breaks up through the snow. Very Evil Dead 
I thought that, there, that there's, was yeah, yeah. There's more scenes like that for sure. There, there like, were a lot of those reference scenes, but the character guy who was supposed to be the movie guy that didn't really. And then right. there's like the the jock guy whose girlfriend owns the cabin, and then there's the kind of dorky guy who's going to medical school. He's afraid of blood. That's as deep as the characters get. Then there's like the girlfriend who they're waiting for, who owns the cabin. There's uh, Martin, the the afraid of blood guy, his girlfriend, and then there's the single, the horniest single we've seen in in I think any of these movies. She's so horny, she follows <laughs> she follows the fat movie guy to the outhouse <laughs> and like mounts him while he's pooping. I just in the, can't. He's pooping in the outhouse, uh-huh. and she mounts him, and they have sex on the outhouse toilet. Mm-hmm. Does she not suck his fingers moments yes. after he wipes his butt? <laughs> yes, yes. I was does. hoping we could gloss over that part. Talk about that a little bit. No, <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's let's let Trent finish and tag uh, your first take, and then we can dig in. No, um, no pun intended. I, I guess I wouldn't say no if I was that guy. You know, I could identify oh. with him a little bit. But uh, yeah, ab- that was like the grossest thing in it. Never mind the innards and the brains and mm. all that stuff. That was disgusting. Cat, you had not seen this before. I understand. No, no, I had not. But I thought it was a fun little uh, Nazi zombie movie. Um, you know, it had some spooky kind of folklore-ish shit in it. Yeah. It had actual evil entities that are also a part of an undead army led by a super evil baddie. Um, you got the outhouse sex. That's all I want to talk about. <laughs> Hot stuff. For the rest. 45 minutes. <laughs> that's, that's all I want to focus on. Um, and then you've got all that gore. I think the gore was obviously the best part of the film. I didn't really care about the plot. I just wanted to see all that all that blood. There's so much blood. So many entrails. Really loved the four-way uh, limb-ripping scene that we got to see towards the end. Mm, drawn and quartered by zombies. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just want to talk about the actual tearing of the head in half that Dave had mentioned. Um, <laughs> telephone book style. Early, right? Just like... Yes. <laughs> just like... <laughs> and then the brain just ever so gently falls onto the floor just like plop plop so gracefully um i rewound and watched that kill a, f- a couple times because i just thought it was wow. so magical that was brain dead guy right in the head. i'd like to talk about the abundance of the use of intestinal material in the deaths in this one for sure um lots of zombies pulling out intestines trees pulling it's like people's intestines just got caught on things and then you've got the beautiful intestine rope uh that one of the main characters utilizes to save himself from falling off the cliff it's just a beautiful thing i think personally um i'm thinking though that they shouldn't have been such dicks and listen to that har- harbinger i always say it wrong harbinger harbinger <laughs> um that tried to, hi, hamburger the hamburglar um that tried one. to warn them of the nazis under the snow but then he ends up getting it too so maybe he didn't really know about them that much he just like knew of the tale of like the zombie the of the nazis that you know did normal nazi shit i'm not really sure anyway um the ending was great i thought there might have been a chance for him to get away but then those hopes seem to be squashed but there is a sequel that we're watching right now so it kind of seems like maybe there was a light at the end of the tunnel for little old uh, armless guy there so <laughs> armless. Armless. there's a lot of dickless guy he got dickless. his dick yeah. bitten oh, off by a zombie we talked about he, dick bites did he yeah. get it was bitten a mess. off it was a crotch chomp the zombie came yeah. up from the snow and Went did a full right chomp for the on dick. His, right on his dick but did it bite it off because here's what I thought it's so, implied that he's gonna cut it off because he just that's what I'm saying his arm. so he had just cut off his arm and then the, <laughs> the zombie bites the dick and he kind of just like looks, looks at his friend like should I do it and his friend's like don't do not <laughs> chop this your is, penis he off time. He this is Roy right I think his name's Roy yeah yeah. the name's it's not Martin no it's Martin wasn't that Martin Martin's the Martin the main character was the guy. glasses yes Okay, yeah. that's yeah. the guy that gets the the okay. crotch chomp. So he, isn't it it crotch ends chomp. up. I mean, it, this is two thousand nine. I don't know how we, much we have to worry about spoilers, but no, this is not a spoiler. Like Martin, movie. It comes out of Martin and Roy, right? Mm-hmm. So Roy is actually the co-writer of the movie. Okay, right. With uh, Workola, but the scene that you're talking about, Cat, where brain dead guy Erland, um, Tommy boy. Um, <laughs> when his so I read that his t-shirt and I haven't seen this movie in a long time but apparently the first kill in Peter Jackson's Brain Dead or Dead Alive as it's known in the States that was a recreation 
of that scene. Oh. And so okay. Workle like kept putting in like a bunch of these just little subtle, well, that one not quite as subtle. The guy's wearing the t-shirt. So if mm. you're a big fan of, of Dead Alive or Brain Dead, you're going to pick that out. Um, but yeah, the, Trent, to your point, the characters, um, the, you're right, 100%. Like they, they almost weren't cliche enough because yeah. it's like early yeah. at the beginning of the movie, they're trying to set him up to be like uh, the dude from Scream. You know, the guy that just keeps telling you all the rules and like, here's how. So you're kind of waiting for that. And this is, you know, 12, 13 years after Scream. And you don't quite get it. Doesn't really follow um, through with it. Yeah. None none of the, the female characters are fleshed out in any way, shape, Not or form. At all. In fact, I didn't know until starting to research the movie that the cold open with the girl running through the woods was Sarah, the girlfriend who owns the cabin. I had at no point, at least in my viewing, did the movie let me know that. I did figure that out eventually, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't tell you. It reminded me of Werewolves Within, where you start with the cold open kill and you don't know what the kill is about, but it just shows you the kill and then halfway through the movie, you've forgotten about that. Mm -hmm. You don't really know what that was and then at the end, you're like, oh, okay. Now you, you get it after that, but... I give this movie a lot of respect for being in the broad daylight. Like yes. we talk about all these things yes. like mm-hmm. hanging off the edge of a cliff by intestines and zombies and amputations and people getting drawn and quartered and split in half. Well, the split in half I think was at night, but most of it is broad daylight and against stark white snowy backgrounds. Yeah. So all the special effects are like right out there. They're not hiding anything with a shadow mm. or like a lot of times if there's like CGI, it's like raining or something. This is just like very like pornographic violence. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> like a point where dirty, you wonder but, if, uh, if the Nazi zombies come out during the day because it introduces them at night and you wonder if they're going to be safe during the day. No, not mm-hmm. all. doesn't matter. Yeah, I like that. So one of the things you're talking about, Trent, is the plot. Um, I do think that the plot is important. I, I am questioning whether this is a horror comedy when you start to get into the historical details of it. But the story that the Harbinger tells them, because to your point, Dave, you, you start to get the vibe that this is going to be a nighttime cabin in the woods horror movie. It's very cabin fever. You know, the Harbinger shows up in, in cabin fever. I, I guess it was Eli Roth and then the, the bum. <laughs> um, but the harbinger like literally sits them down and tells he explains the entire movie mm-hmm. in like a five minute clip and I guess that actor Bjorn Sundquist uh, very decorated actor from from Norway like a really big deal so I'm guessing if you're you know watching this in Norway you recognize this actor like it's a huge deal that he did this cameo in a horror movie um, but he's talking about the the Norway occupation by Nazi Germany in 1940 and I'm not going to go into detail on that. Let's just say it's much worse than what the Harbinger makes it sound like. It's just another horrible World War II factoid that we could go into uh, and what went down in, in Norway. Um, I mean, essentially, you had like 400,000 soldiers taking on this part of Norway that only had a population of like 3 million people. That is a great point because... I, I didn't like the the plot device in this, and, and I can explain why, but you make a good point. I mentioned like some of the European horror movies that we watch that kind of allude to the legacy of World War II and Nazi Germany. If you get past the goofy gore stuff in this, if you do want to find something serious about it, I didn't really think about that as much. You could look at this as... in, in the serious subtext dealing with that legacy because the Nazi zombies are protecting their gold unfortunately i I like that (laughs) that that idea but unfortunately it just turns them into leprechaun it's fairly pirates (laughs) of the caribbean they're like it's leprechaun (laughs) it is is, but the whole thing is about a box of coins like what the fuck that's all you had to do (laughs) well you give them the fucking box of coins also the box of coins is just like in the ice box it's not even hidden away why didn't they could have come and gotten the fucking coins next to the beer yeah i thought they got it like in the floor it's like in the floor, yeah, but it's, but it's next like to a beer cubby where they're keeping the groceries. And oh, oh, there's a box of me gold. Oh, the the leprechaun. Well, and I Nazi love how when they open gold. it up, you get like the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, uh, yeah, like I the glow that. and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, well, but there's 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 a couple things to unpack there a little bit. Um, one, I like like your point earlier, Dave, where you're like, okay, you know, you usually have like the zombies a vi- it's a virus, it's a plague. We're gonna multiply like rabbits. You know, the more zombies that bite you. 
Um, I I do like that this one was like a curse. Like I don't know. I'm sure that there's some like horror heads out there that can list off like zombie movies where the zombies are cursed. But I do kind of like this. And there's a legend of something called a drog. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where it's basically saying that people are cursed and it's an undead being who would inhabit the graves of important men uh, as those graves would have treasure and a drog would protect, uh, protect those treasures as if they were their own. Very so tumbad. Tumbad. Mm. Yes. Ex- yeah, good call, dude. And I kept wondering, like, what woke the zombies up? And it took me a while. I Obviously, I watched this um, with idiot brain. It took me a while to figure out, oh, it's literally like when they, I, I thought it was when they found the gold that it woke the zombies up. But apparently they were all, some of them were at least already out there wandering around. Yeah, they were already, it doesn't make any sense. That's no. the thing. This, I was desperately trying make. to make, maybe I didn't watch it with idiot brain. I was just desperately trying to make it make sense. Yeah, I, I didn't. It didn't matter. I would have been happy if, like, the zombies, the Nazis were just out there killing. I, I didn't need the Migold thing about it. And then, like, they chased the one guy all the way down. He's got one coin. I mean, don't these guys have better things to do? They got a whole box of this stuff. Like, I don't know. That that was the only thing. Um, it reminded me a little bit of Cold Prey. We haven't talked about it, which Cold Prey is back online now. It hasn't been for a long time. That's a great one. Yeah, but I I just like the taking these tropes these same old cliches we've seen a million times just the fact of putting it in the arctic snow-covered mountain with a foreign language just doing that almost freshens it up a little bit you know you don't usually see that in the snow usually you see like things like the lodge or the thing and stuff like that so i appreciated the environment i want some yeti movie i want a really gory yeti movie i think like that we we've we've come across this before where like trent wants he wants to find a really good bigfoot movie you want to find a really good Yeti movie. Same thing in my mind. Blood curdling. But if, but you know, I mean, I thought Yeti was more traditionally like snowy. Bigfoot's right. yeah, more he's like in the Himalayas. If you, you guys, guys can Wendigo? find that, that'd be a great, great episode. Yes. You have? How's that? I've never seen it. I saw it a long time ago, but I think it was good. We had, um, we watched, or at least some of us watched the um, the Bob Goldthwait Bigfoot movie. What was it called? Willow Creek? Yes. So bad. It was I so started bad. that, but I didn't finish. What were we going to... We, that was we, a pick. I took was, it back. It was a it was pick, yeah. <laughs> For what? For a Patreon or for a pick? No, we no, we started watching that for a regular Speak All Evil mm. episode, and it was so bad that people started complaining, and then I started watching it, and I was like, man, this really sucks. So this like, sucks. There's like we one got a veto last week, too. We, we talked about it. There's like one scene in it that I think people like latch onto to make it seem like it's worth watching. Uh, I also struggled with this movie trying to figure out if the zombies were eating people or just using biting as a yeah. source of or, or a method of killing. Well, they'd they, also punch and stuff and wrestle, which you don't usually. Yeah, they're have fast zombies. zombies. Yeah, they're they climb fast. trees. Yeah, they climb yeah, trees. What the fuck? How's I like that? I like when they start throwing punches, though. I don't know why. I just think it's funny to see zombies like throwing punches and <laughs> you know you can take weave. you can take the Nazi out of the zombie. Yeah, but you can't. Uh, zo- zombie oh my god Nazi. float like a butterfly sting like a zombie <laughs> I wondered that too Kevin because they didn't really seem like they were like feeding it seemed like the biting was secondary their concern was the gold and the biting almost just seemed like more gold. of a method of, of murder they didn't seem like they were really that hungry although, right. although they, there was that scene where after the one kill, um, the blonde, where they're feasting, they do seem to be sort of feasting on the... Yes, it confused <laughs> me. It was like, boy, are they eating them or are they not? Like, I don't get it. Because the brain split scene that you talked about, Kat, like, you in a traditional zombie movie, it would have been like scooped up and yeah. like immediately eaten. So that if that is the case that they are eating the people, that makes that outhouse scene so much grosser because it's a guy taking a shit, a girl comes in, Right after he wipes, licks his finger, has sex with him, then she falls inside the toilet and gets covered in poop, and Mm -hmm. then a zombie eats her. I'm not trying to slut shame anyone, but that is a gross combo right there. That is think... really gross to eat. A... No, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, I think go get it, girl. Like that's no, totally do not fine. Go it's more get it. the script writing of the sequence of events. Oh Jesus, no! There is no slut shaming because 
just well fecophilia if you consider that a slutty thing to do here's the thing i'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum okay no kink shaming but poop (laughs) is gross and i'm gonna be the first to say it i'm gonna take a hot take well you were the first to try it that's why you know oh my god all right let's circle back so why (laughs) if they do eat them then they just like cut off they're, this girl's head like they're obviously smart zombies because they cut off this girl's head they decapitated her and then used that head to trick and like scare her friend through the window they're like oh mm-hmm. look it's her and she's like oh thank god and they're like just kidding <laughs> so what i just yeah what's the end game for the zombies that just was terrorizing actually, that was my favorite element of the whole movie was when they're trapped in the cabin when the zombies first attack and they're trapped in the cabin it became it reminded me of green room which we're going to talk about later the siege the the small space siege more traditional stab and cabin stuff i liked the the hopelessness of that situation because these zombies are strong they're powerful as hell and you know there's absolutely no way these people in this tiny little cabin can hold them off forever like they're trying to hold them off as best they can i liked that siege kind of hold that whole section then after that i thought it got a little gratuitous like how many zombies do I have to watch like get chainsawed and like get their head knocked off? And Snowmobile. Like, kind of yes, yeah, snowmobile. Wow. Great. That's an original one. Kind of went on and on. I mean, we've never seen someone just throw a machine gun on a snowmobile. True. I I appreciated that. But you are right. But again, Trent, you have to think about the movies it's paying homage to. Clearly, Brain Dead. And if you remember in Brain Dead, you have the lawnmower scene. Which is one of the it was, and, and, biggest zombie massacres. Yeah, and and I love that movie, but I get a little tired of that movie too. I, it's a great one, but Fair. I think the same kind of dynamic. Like I, I love the gore and I want to see the zombies, but uh, at a certain point, it's like you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And like, all right, I'm totally desensitized to all the blood. I mean, everyone is like blood red. They're covered in blood. Everything is blood. You're like, all right. I mean, I get it. Well, you also know, we all know that I am always looking for sequels this is not necessarily a movie that i would have been looking for a sequel on but it inexplicably got one five years after it's so weird for a movie to get a sequel five years later especially something as small as this you know i mean i'm still waiting for the you know the evil dead remake sequel that i desperately wanted yet somehow dead snow like Dave said, Workle would go on to do a bunch of stuff. He did some crazy shit. Uh, what happened like, to Monday? Hand, yeah, what happened to Monday with like Numi Rapace, Glenn Close, Willem Dafoe. He would do Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, his I, first I like English I language like film with like Jeremy Renner. But that one had Gemma. So I was like, how do I, what do I know the actress from? It's Gemma Arterton. She plays Miss Justino and the girl with all the gifts. Yes, in Byzantium. Uh, but I just think it's weird. He would do like all this stuff. Uh, some before and some after the the Red versus Dead, which is the sequel to Dead Snow. I thought it was odd that this was a movie that he would go back to and be like, "I totally got to make a second one of these." Well, his first movie was a parody of Kill Bill. It's called like Kill Bill or something. It, it, yeah. It's it's a Norwegian parody. It's it's about like a Norwegian ethnic minority or something, and the whole thing is just a parody of Kill Bill. It sounds bizarre. I haven't seen it. I've been thinking about it, and I think that if even in a zombified state, if I had to eat a human, I would take the poop out of the human like <laughs> it were a shrimp. Yes. I was yeah. just going to yep. say, you're, you're <laughs> Pull it out the back. Yeah. And then I would eat. Then I would eat the rest of it. I appreciated the European metal soundtrack to this, foreign language metal. Um, it should have been true Norwegian black metal. It was but a it's, little, not, it's, extreme, it's extreme European metal. That's good enough. It was a little lie. Uh, hair metal i thought it, it was it was kind of like norwegian new metal is what i was it gonna like. say it was a little i was gonna say new metal yeah, yeah. i like the educational portions of it um i didn't know that when you got buried in an avalanche that you spit mm. uh but my daughter did <laughs> she was like oh yeah well, if you get buried in an avalanche you spit and you just watch the gravity and see which way your spit goes because you have no idea what's up or down and i was like oh growing up in maine maybe I should. I've, I've really been able to apply that like just like waking up in the morning <laughs> and just like which sometimes i just bury myself deeper into my bed he he burrowed down instead of up he <laughs> died under his mattress he died in the box spring and dave suddenly remembers just follow some sort of bodily fluid <laughs> or you can <laughs> just always if you're ever trapped in an avalanche just in case <laughs> 
Uh, give, everybody give me a little uh, little informal check check. Hi, Stop hello. Like for a minute. Let's just That's make sure everybody's stab, still good here. Stab, stab, stab. Stab, stab, stab. Merry Halloween. This week we watched Jeremy Saulnier's film Green Room, which follows punk band The Ain't Rights as they travel through the Pacific Northwest on their tour. After a canceled gig in Portland, a local radio host gets them a new a new gig at a neo-Nazi skinhead bar that his cousin works at. The show goes as fine as one can imagine when Nazi punk's fuck off is played to a bunch of skinheads, but the band goes on to leave unharmed after their set. However, when one of them goes to retrieve their phone from the green room, they witness the aftermath of a murder of one of the patrons of the club. From that moment, it's the band versus the Nazi fuckers in a fight to escape and survive. So, I think a good rule of thumb is whenever someone tells you to uh, just not talk politics, to go somewhere, it's probably not a good idea uh, for you to go that place, just like... Maybe a little snippet of info there, um, especially when there's a possibility of literal Nazis being there. Uh, I thought I had never seen this movie. I thought this movie was so good and very stressful and also very brutal to watch. Um, it was hard because uh, it, it, it seems like a very real thing that could absolutely happen and probably has happened before but we just don't know. Um, as, as soon as the band opened with Nazi punks fuck off, I was simultaneously just like, yes, but then also, no, <laughs> don't do that. Um, I was happy to see them, you know, stand up against these shitbirds, but then I knew it wasn't really going to end well for them. Um, honestly, I didn't like hearing my beloved uh, Captain Picard say the N-word. Mm. To be honest, the hard R really hurt my soul coming from him. Um, and I think a lot of people could probably relate with that. Um, I was hoping that maybe it was just some like hollow deck um, thing gone wrong. And then any Star Trek fan- fans in the room? No? <laughs> no clue. Just me. Nope. Great. Cool. Um, maybe someone will get that <laughs> reference. William Shatner's in space. This is, that's, the yep. beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> Boom. Great job, guys. Don't Thank you so much. Don't wear the red shirt. <laughs> um, oh, uh, oh, there you go. Oh, he's doing the hand uh, what thing. Is this? Uh, live, yes. long and, live long and prosper. Yes. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I know the trick. I know the trick. Okay, and that's all the Star Trek references for the episode. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I liked how gritty and like gory it was for sure. Um, a lot of gore, a lot of stabbing, oh, a lot of slicing so and dicing, bone breaking, stabby stabs. Um, I f- had to look away a lot. This wasn't like a dead snow situation where I rewound and watched. It was like, a, this is too <laughs> real. And I'm going to look away and wait for this moment to pass. Um, but it was obviously very well done. It, it absolutely did what it set out to do. Um, definitely stressful. But I think it was worth the stress to watch this one. So I'm excited to uh, talk to you guys about it. Wow. I love this movie. And I think we're only five years removed. But what's so funny? You were going to point at one of us. And I was, was your, but then I got the your, point. All three of us had the point. And I, and I went, <laughs> did you see me hesitate? <laughs> I, didn't it hesitate. Out. I don't know why you're doing this. No. Boom. Sorry, Green just... Room, 2016. <laughs> this was uh, premiered at, uh, at Cannes, 2015, was released in April of 2016. And it's kind of spooky how much more relevant this is now mm-hmm. than it was when it was released. When it was released, the idea of these like white nationalist guys on the fringes of the hardcore punk scene, uh, we can talk about that. I, I thought that was interesting because Jeremy uh, Saulnier is he came he's from um, Alexandria, Virginia, and he came up in the DC hardcore scene like the eighties and the nineties. Was like a skater and made movies, and he was in bands and stuff like that. So he knows all about that kind of underground tension between the punks and the anti-racist hardcore guys and the skinhead, racist skinhead punks and the racist skinhead hardcore guys. That That's kind of like what this movie is about. So there's a little bit of history in this. But I think five years removed, I saw this at the theater with Kevin and I loved it at the time. And I think five years is a good reappraisal point. I love it even more now. This movie is a banger. It is very tight. 
It is uh, very fast-paced, and it is very brutal, very suspenseful. This has, like, a higher kill count than some of the slashers we've seen. I counted 12 confirmed kills in this movie that you see, and then, like, three or four presumed dead mm. because the band Cowcatcher, they get sent off. Oh, the- they show him dead at the end. Well, they show one guy, at least, with a needle. The other guy's eating cereal. It's not, it's, it's not clear if he's going to go or not. that was weird. Yeah, so at least 12, I'm going to say 15 kills in this movie i mean that would make jason proud i feel like there are there are slashers where not that many people die um very brutal this is like on the thriller side of horror but all the kills and all the relentless gore in this Mm. really pushes it over to the horror side i love the whole concept you know i've spent a fair amount of time at venues at shows going to shows playing shows being in green rooms um, and that was like Solnier's whole idea he, he had had for a long time, even before Blue Ruin, which I haven't seen. It looks awesome. I want to see that Oh, it's now. amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Um, oh, yeah. you guys have seen that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. I love that. Um, uh, is it uh, Macon Blair? Yes. Who plays Gabe in this? My favorite character in this oh, by yeah. far. Oh, he, he stars owns in Blue, Blue Ruin. Ruin. Yeah, he owns it. Yes. Yeah, and he's a filmmaker uh, in his own right. He grew up with Solnier. They were like childhood friends, and they used to like make movies. I saw some clips of like one of their early movies. It's very um, Mark Borchardt. Style. I was going to say this here. The more the scarier. They have their version of the more the scarier. It's really funny. Um, Yeah, this is just, I think this is a classic. I think in five more years, in 15 more years, in 20 years, I I think this will be remembered as a uh, a classic horror thriller, um, all-timer. I loved P. Stu as the uh, leader of the Nazis named Darcy. It's just such a great moment when he comes into it. Um, I loved uh, Elijah Wood. Did a great job in this. Um, Anton Yelkin. Think, what's it? Wait, Elijah Wood? No. Anton Yelkin. Oh, that's not Elijah Wood? No. no. Just pretend it's Elijah Wood. <laughs> or or, or just respect the fact that he's now passed away. Oh, yeah, call he's him dead. Anton Yelkin. Yeah, he, ra- oh. he ran over himself. R.I.P.? Yeah, yeah in 2016. Accident. This is his last movie. His released. car <gasps> rolled over him shortly oh my after God. this. God. Mm hmm. Yeah, wow. it was part of like a whole recall too. For I think he was he was driving. I'm, I'm not going to say the model of car. I don't want. Mm. Uh, there was a particular car uh, SUV that uh, I think his parents ended up uh, settling a lawsuit because it had he put his car in park to go open the gate to his house, and the car rolled forward and crushed him between the car and and his gate. Wow, At, I think I did 27 not know years that. old. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have called him Elijah Wood if I'd known that. Um, but <laughs> Elijah wouldn't. Hey, so Sonia just wanted to set a, a movie in a green room, a siege movie. There's only one way in. There's one way out. Kind of a classic setup. Um, I was surprised to see um, Elia Shockett. Shockett. I don't mm-hmm. know how you say her name. She played maybe in the Arrested yep. Development series, yep. which uh, I was a big fan of back in the day. Uh, this movie really does everything. Um, there are uh, some dogs in this. Unfortunately, the dogs dogs get it in this movie, mm, but they yep. give it. They give they, it as yes, well. They, they give it as, give as good as they get. get it. And I really appreciated the, the commitment and the dedication of the Nazi dog handler. He has exposed his dogs to a lot of culture, and he's taught them German. Yeah. These are bilingual attack dogs. <laughs> they they speak both English and German. So, you know, that's always uh that's always nice. Sure. Um great one. This is a rental right now. It's it's uh, actually streaming on Fubo or if you have Showtime, I consider those to be kind of like um a little more um uh, Mooching if, off your parents? Yeah, kind of or if, if you have the uh, Showtime add-on on Prime, you can watch this, but I rented it uh, or you can see it on DirecTV. Um I I have a Vatweiler. And um my Rottweiler's um brother or or yeah his her, her brother her owners um speak in german and oh. they say all these like commands and it's really scary and that I, is I, scary. I don't i don't talk politics <laughs> you know i win i <laughs> never talk politics talk, with your german dog handler yeah definitely don't uh this this movie is like way too real um you know Trent and I have spent some time on the road together. We, we bring it up often. And it's unfortunate that a lot of times there are a lot of these things that happen to us in these places and people that we meet. But uh, this one is like super scary, um, especially like, you know, uh, you were saying that uh, the director is from like the Virginia area. Like, yeah, I yeah. remember playing a lot of like punk clubs in like Richmond and, and Virginia Beach um, where we hung out with like sharps, the skinheads against 
racial mm-hmm. prejudice. Right, the anti-racist yeah. skinheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but it's like a big scene down there, and it's and it's scary because it's just on the cusp of getting into the South, where all that like really evil dark shit <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just super scary. I I love the uh, the wrist. Like the floppy oh, wrist. No, 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 no. Like no you said no. you didn't rewind, Cat. I re- no. rewound that so many times. <laughs> and then I also rewound the part that comes right after it. It's like a double hit nope. where Imogen Poots just guts Stop that it. guy, just opens his uh, belly oh, like out of a, nowhere. Just out of like nowhere. A frog or like, I don't know. It's his belly just opens <sighs> up. I was not ready for that. Yeah, that was great. Um, I thought it was a little bit, you know, campy that they like took the time to like mark their faces up and then kick ass like yeah, i could have yeah, done sure. without that yeah, yeah yeah um but i did like that they got uh you know they didn't stop they were they were relentless in like they could have gotten away at a few different points and they decide to like fight and like well they have to cover their asses because they're getting while this whole thing is happening they're getting uh you don't really know if they're getting framed for something. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, they're trying to take care of their uh, their bodies and make this all look like an accident that happened up the road. So that stuff's happening. And, and I love Patrick Stewart's uh, character because there was always like weird old guys like that at clubs, like these all ages clubs. And there's this like weird old guy. You don't know why he's there, but he's kind of friendly and everyone likes him. Because whenever he gets on the mic to like announce stuff at the at the club, he's always like, "Hey guys, well, you know, beers on me tomorrow. Sorry, and we'll hopefully have the sound system back up." And and it's just like, I I've just heard that guy, and and he seems like a charming, nice guy, and then he's like so, so evil. And I love the 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 symbolism of the uh, the red laces. Like mm-hmm. whenever the red laces are there, that means it's like bloodbath, like killing people time. So like, uh, yeah, I love this director. Um, into the dark? No, not into the dark. There's another movie. Hold the dark. The uh, wolf. The wolf. Yes, that that's very good, and so is yeah. Blue Ruin. Like this is, um, I, Jeremy Solnier. 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 Uh, yeah, I love I love this. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. It's it's amazing that he's in this movie. This is nothing like you would ever expect to see him in. Uh, and to your point, Dave, when he gets up on the mic and he's all like, yeah, we'll get the sound system going and oh, what the hell, uh, free drinks, two to four tomorrow. But he ends it with, remember, this is a movement, not a party. Yeah, right. Uh, and the imagery that you're talking about with the red laces. But but anyway, uh, we should mention this is from A24, who quickly is showing up on, on Speak All Evil a lot. But he did he did Blue Ruin and he had this idea for this movie and he has been on record saying he was terrified that when Blue Ruin was so well received critically that he would never have a chance to do Green Room if he started to get himself into like industry movies, into more mainstream movies. So he really pushed to do this movie. And Trent, I had no idea that he was from Alexandria, but you know what an interesting part of the country. I knew that he was in a punk band. Uh, apparently they were called No Turn on Fred. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. But, yeah, the cast in this, like, Anton Yelkin is amazing. He's sort of like the, our leader here. He's the bass player for the band. Uh, and let's take it back to Star Trek, Kat. You didn't mention that Patrick Stewart was Captain Picard, but Anton Yelkin was in all of the newer Star Trek movies. He was, yeah. So there's a lot of Star Trek. A lot of Star wow. Trek happening huh. in this. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing that symbol with my hands. The live free or die yep that one yeah prosper Prosper. exactly (laughs) live long and prosper the shocker uh dave you mentioned image and poots uh who we talked about in black christmas the 2019 remake uh but she's been in a bunch uh the fright night remake uh with anton yelkin she was in a movie that you might appreciate the title to dave uh called french exit in 2020 oh nice uh i love her character trent you mentioned that gabe is your favorite character Blake. so good yeah yeah making blair um i think i think yelkin takes the cake in this movie just because the floppy arm scene that you guys are talking about his performance in that sequence alone is someone that just had that happen to them is a really really Pretty good believable. piece of acting yeah um he's a good wimp 
like he's like doing the best he can, but his like whole posture and the way he carries himself is just very meek. And like you feel that like you never get like the idea that like he's acting or trying to kick ass even when he is. Which may have made the face painting scene at the end that you're talking about like a little jarring for you. I, I it was dug a it. Jarring. I didn't I mind dug it. it because, it's a little cheesy. Because Imogen Poots' character is one of my favorites. She plays Amber. So she was the friend of the girl that was murdered in the green room mm-hmm. that the band ultimately stumbles upon and it causes them to get pushed into the green room and starts all of all of the madness but her character you never quite know like if you can trust her or not like even when she guts that guy out of nowhere like you're you're convinced the drummer's holding this guy his name's what big justin the bouncer Mm -hmm. You're, you're like the drummer's gonna mess this guy up and then she just walks up to him with the box cutter and and even until the very end of the movie, I was still questioning her loyalty. Yes. And that's really yeah. good acting. It's really good script writing. It's really good like cinematography, the way that they would show her. Um, I love the entire cast of this. Uh, I thought everybody was perfectly played. You know, we were in bands, Trent, Dave, um, and and like everybody. Cat, you've been around bands so much like it's always this like eclectic group of people. Like the drummer seemed like a little bit more like jockey or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, The singer was definitely like kind of a classic lead singer. Uh, Anton Yelkin's this meek bass player. Um, I love the fact, uh, Trent, you mentioned it, uh, Ali Ashakwa. No idea how to say her last name. Um, As the guitarist. That was pretty good, I think. uh, As the guitarist. um, they, They just really depicted like a band on the road very realistically. And like you said, they all kind of reacted in very different ways, not cohesively at all. And I think that's the cool thing about his first couple movies here is like with Blue Ruin, you had a guy like on a revenge clip completely unprepared to do so. And in this movie, you have a band that's all of a sudden thrust into this, oh, fuck, we're really at a Nazi bar or a Nazi club and they want to kill us. Mm. And we literally were just trying to like make enough gas money to get home. Well, like people, I, I, I think we assume that people know what a green room is. Like when I hear, I don't even know what the movie's about. And I just hear it's a horror movie coming out called Green Room. And I'm like, like it's this place that they, it's, you're playing in a, a bad place anyway. It's a, it's a dingy club. And then the dingy club has a shitty bar and it has a crappy bathroom. And then below all of this stuff in quality is the green room, which is a small square that they put the bands in. And it's usually like a cement floor and like some couch that's from like the 80s and it stains all over. It's a really gross place. Like if... You there know, might be a mini fridge with some beers in it, like in this movie, if you're lucky. Maybe you can smoke there. That's the only, sometimes the, the plus side of a, a green room is that it's so low brow. You have no dignity. You can smoke. And there's no bathroom. It's crazy. So that's where the acts hang out. Like if you were on The Tonight Show. You have a totally, <laughs> you have a much different green room. Yeah, There's we're talking PIA about this stuff like that. This but scene. The, the place where the, the live acts hang out in between their performances or a safe space, they don't want to be hanging out in the in the audience or at the bar or whatever. You can always go to the green room, change your guitar strings, write your set list, smoke your weed, you know, do whatever needs to be done. Maybe, you know, maybe some sexy time. Who knows? Anything Ooh. really goes in the green room. And don't they call it a green room because they used to be painted green because that was allegedly the color that invoked the least amount of emotion? Didn't work in this movie. Well, yeah. no. You know, it's, and also, you know, playing like like punk rock clubs are scary. Like real punk rock clubs, I think, are, are pretty scary anyway, even if they're not like Even racist. without Nazis. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's like, somebody is somebody going to stab me for a kick? Or if you're, it, if you're not punk rock and you're, you know, these guys at least could assimilate in the fact that they were like punks. I felt like yeah. their music was pretty true. They weren't fashion punks. Right. Mm-hmm. That was that was Mom relatable punks. because you're always, you know, they're coming from out of town. They get rerouted to this. This wasn't a gig on their itinerary. They had a gig nearby. This is takes place in the uh, American Northwest, like between Seattle and Portland or something. And they get rerouted because a show gets canceled. And to make it up for them, the guy that was like promoting that show books them 
at this show. So they don't really know. He says that it's kind of like white nationalist or something. Mm-hmm. We, I, I don't know that like I would have played the show by the time you get there and you see swastikas and Nazis everywhere. Yeah. But you know, you get into these situations like it's almost like you're more afraid if you leave. So even even without the Nazis, you know, you're on the road. You go into this place, like you're saying, Dave. Like you don't, you're the outsider. And you're going in and you're just hoping that you don't like do any, you commit any faux pas or like, no, you don't look at anyone's girlfriend the wrong way or something, Mm. or you talk to the wrong person and some guy now is going to fight you. So you're kind of always like on guard. And then to, to, to add the Nazi element to that, it's really scary. I can totally imagine showing up to this place. Like if we try to leave, they're going to definitely beat us up if <laughs> right, we, <yeah>. just stay, <laughs> right. if we just stay and like don't cause any trouble like the guy tells him beforehand like uh i'd play your old stuff heavier stuff you know for these guys yeah and so they take yeah. the stage and they play the song nazi punks fuck off mm-hmm. by the dead kennedys yes. just to kind of like give and, and they survive up. that yeah. yeah nobody kills them there are some angry people about it but they they let them get away with that and then they go into the rest of their set and it's like pretty I kind of liked the original music to this. I thought, like, the second song they started, I think they said it was called Coroner. It starts with a, like, pretty sweet riff. Uh, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is, like, pretty good. And then throughout the movie, you have, like, heavy music, like Obituary. There's real music in there, Slayer and stuff like that. So that was all, like, pretty legit. And, and the, the crowning piece of that legitimacy to me was the way that some of the Nazis initially seemed like they weren't, ang- like, they weren't, uh, hostile. They weren't going to kill them. The guy Gabe, my favorite character, who's who's um, making Blair. He's like the Nazi middle manager. He's running around. He's kind of like he's in charge of the show and stuff like that. Unless it gets out of hand, he's the guy. When it does get out of hand, he has to call in Darcy uh, P. Stew. But, but is it clear? I'm sorry. Is it yeah. clear whether Gabe has earned his red laces or not? Well, he he hasn't in the beginning. He's he 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 does in the movie. They show him earn his red laces. They show yeah, Peace okay. yeah. the laces. He says it's from before. Well, he said you've already earned. Yeah, right. you've already earned these. Um, but his character, he really seems like a beleaguered middle manager. When when this when the shit is going down and he forces them into the green room, you almost believe that they're going to be okay. And it's beyond all reason. You just witnessed somebody get killed at a Nazi compound. You are not going to get out of there. They're not going to let you no. leave. But but Gabe is so, he plays the his character so well. And even Justin, the big bouncer guy that keeps them in the green room, he doesn't seem like he really wants violence. He's just doing his job. Mm-hmm. And then even Patrick Stewart um, playing Darcy, he also seems... They just give you enough. That's to think, how like, they get you. Yeah, maybe That's these guys will let us it. out of here. Just do what they say. They don't seem like that bloodthirsty. Mm-mm-mm. No, they're fucking evil sons of bitches. Yeah, and that's how they've infiltrated the government. And that's why we're in the state that we're in. When you go to the South and you're like sitting in a bar, you, well, you know this, you just came back from there. Um, <laughs> you just start talking to someone and then after you've yucked it up over some small talk, you know, you get the bomb, all of a sudden the bomb, dropped. the bomb gets dropped and like, wow, this guy's really racist. This woman's really racist. This child is really racist. Uh-huh. Like so they kind of feel really, you out. They feel you out with a little small talk first and then they feel like they're safe to like, so like cool. drop some bombs. Here's some yeah. anti-Semitism. Yeah. I had a, I had a early on, there's a pool at the apartment complex that I was staying at and uh, it was right next to the gym. So it was nice as it started to get really hot in the South. I would go to the gym and I just make sure that I was wearing like swim trunks or something. I'd walk out, jump in the pool. So there was a day that I was like, there's nobody in the pool. This is amazing. I'm just going to jump in right now. Well, I didn't realize it, but there was this huge dude, like burly bearded guy that was just like sitting and drinking Miller lights in a part of the pool that I couldn't see. So he comes sort of making his way over to me and he's got a beer and it's, it's been years since I drank beer, but I'm like, all right, you know, I should do the right thing now and take this guy's beer. And, and it's, it's just like that, like just enough small talk. And then all of a sudden the floodgates open and I was like, Oh my God. But like for a second, I felt like I was the band in green room. Cause I was like, I could get out of the pool right now and just walk away but I don't know where this guy lives. Is he in the apartment next to me? How many times am I going to run into this guy? Like Miller, Miller Lite is a uh, red flag. That's a classic uh, drink of racists. Yeah, every I think everybody knows that. Just no, like well, it's red laces, Miller Lite. That's yeah. Your they, well, you know on. what it used to be called? It used to be called Sieg, Sieg Ale. 
I hate you. So and they changed so the name to Miller Lite. Oh my God. <laughs> You're the worst. I like your boots, Cat. What are those? Those are Doc Martens. You can do some, some kind of stomping style boots. Um, almost remind me of like a street Nazi or something. You should get a haircut like Trent's. I am vetoing oh this whole God. line of talking I, I'm just right now. Skinhead talk to you about your boots. <sighs> Listen, he's in all black. He's got like an army jacket or something. One, no one ever said that about Miller Lights. You're making that up. I did make that yeah. up so I could uh, use the Sieg <laughs> yeah. Ale. Yeah, joke. I lo- and I appreciate oh, you for the Sieg pun. Yeah, yeah, that was the whole pun. That's why I said I, I hate did you. Not yeah. see that coming. Oh God, uh, damn it! Oh my God. <laughs> While we're talking about laces, I did watch this film with my um my uh boyfriend, pu- my punk boyfriend. Yes, who uh, was happy to explain some things from the punk scene to me whilst we watched it. Oh. Because apparently he got around. Um, so we we do have the Sharps, which uh, Dave talked about earlier, uh, the skinheads against racial uh, prejudice. So not all skinheads, apparently, are Nazis. But, True. you know, they're Trent, not. Are you one of those? If we want to get into the, the history of skinheads. Is that what you are, though? I mean, I, and if anybody wants out there wants to correct me, I know a little bit about this. Um, the skinheads started, it was like a, a British thing, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a rebellion against the mods, and the mop tops, the hippies, and they weren't they weren't expressly racist. In fact, they, a lot of them were into like ska and dub and reggae and stuff like that. And that's represented a lot of the music, even when you get into like the, the later Clash stuff. Um, but then it was kind of co-opted by... The racist skinheads, the yes. red laces, so, the white laces. Then mm-hmm. that's where you're we the older original skinhead. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm more uh, like. I'm, how I'm old are you? Against the mods. How Trent, old are I'm you? 60, like, <laughs> I'm sixty. I have a ska band. A lot. Not a lot of people know about my ska band. Um, many, many years ago. I mean, I think it's just a good rule of thumb. Maybe just not be a skinhead at all nowadays because i feel like it's just not like i'm a not i'm an anti-racist skinhead i don't give a fucking shit you're a skinhead i'm sorry i'm sorry anyway (laughs) you could be be an anti-racist uh not skinhead yeah you know what you could be clearer just not a skinhead anyway um so we got the uh you know the sharps and then who who wear the yellow laces and then we got the trads, uh, who are just like the non-political, like fence sitters, basically. Which I think would be just as bad as being a Nazi, because if you're just like not trying to get political, blah blah blah, then you obviously don't care that people are out there hating race races Silence that is aren't compliance, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So fuck those people also. Uh, but they wear uh, black or yellow uh, laces. So I guess I have to put on... I don't like yellow, though. I'm not going to put those in my boots. Um, and then you've got the Nazis with the red laces. Or I guess they also wear the white laces. Uh, yes. Good to know. Yeah, the so red everyone... means they've, they've shed blood for the cause, at least in yeah. this movie. I don't think they all do that. But No, and then in this movie, they're referred to as the true believers. So, so there is that scene, Kevin, where um, Darcy hands... Gabe, the red laces. Did you miss that when they're in the office? Yeah, I guess I. I yeah. It's really subtle, but they're talking, and Darcy seems to, he thinks that they've kind of got it under control, and he goes over to his little box where apparently he keeps these these red laces it in makes little it seem like a roller here. skating rink. <laughs> yeah, at that he, point, <laughs> he, orders them, he orders them on Amazon. <laughs> he always has just in case somebody really rises above their station, mm. he's ready to present the red laces, and he gives them to Gabe and says. You've earned these here. We're just now cleaning Maybe up. Maybe that's just the point where I noticed Gabe's character changed to being like, do I really want these? Yeah. <laughs> so like, brilliantly played. Damn. He plays that character so well. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. Everything. You talked, Trent, about how it's sort of in the thriller arena, but the gore kind of pushes it over. What we were talking about earlier before we started recording is what I love about this movie, not just the character development, but like the suspense doesn't ever come from like a violent scene like the suspense is the 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 feeling of helplessness the the various discoveries that not just the band but also you know Darcy and some of the Nazis make about what's going on within their own ranks and then the violence and the gore is always so shocking because they beat you to death with like a seven or eight minute scene of like tension 
oh, they're stuck in this room. They finally decided to leave. And now you're waiting for the next scene to unfold. And Solnia just smacks you in the face time and time again. There are characters that you're invested in in this movie that drop like flies in seconds. There's no suspense about a death scene in this movie. Zero. Oh, the girl going out the window. Stab, yeah. stab, stab. <laughs> oh, there's no, sucked. There's yeah. no suspenseful death in this movie. Mm-mm. Maybe the ending. Maybe the very ending. But at that point, you know exactly what's about yeah. to happen. You know, I think makes this horror to me is like that pushes it over is the fire extinguisher because they're constantly spraying it. So like a bunch of the deaths or these guys are like their faces are all white. You just see their eyes like and like yeah. blood yeah. like gurgling out. Yeah. And then uh, I really like the paintball story. Uh, yeah. the, he he finally got around to it at the end. But the the moral of the story was let's just go kill these guys. Yeah. Which is always my plan. Like kill them before they can kill you. Don't run away. Don't hide. We have to kill them. Sure. You know. It's a true story. The paintball Ricky, story. Ricky. Uh, Ricky Silva. Rick Rick, Spears. Rick Silva. Ricky Silva is the guy that um, went nuts on the paintball. Served as the model for their final stand in this movie against the Nazis. Yeah, I guess he's a real dude that that happened to Saulnier with with this guy. Oh, good for him. Um, I'm really sorry I pronounced his name so incorrectly in my um, intro. Somalier. As I like to call him, Solnia. Yeah, I only know because I watched some uh, some interviews with him. There's, he has quite a bit. He did quite a bit of press for this and Blue Ruin. So there's a lot of uh, interviews with the with the director on this movie on YouTube. You can watch. Uh, another theme, like you like the paintball story. Uh, a big theme is the Desert Island Band. Mm. Desert oh, yeah. Island right, Band. Right, right, right. Um, I love that. It should not work. It, it should be one of the more campy elements. But I love that like people keep sort of answering it at the very end. You never get Pat's answer. Right. And their their punkness like drops away and they're like yeah. talking about like, like yeah, fuck it, Prince Simon yeah. Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all getting like soft. They're like it reveals like a vulnerability in their characters when they when they go from like dead Kennedys to Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's a he never answers Pat, Anton Yelkin's character, never answers until the very end and he's like, you know, I think I finally got it. Like what my desert islet band and i love that the last sentence of the movie is tell someone who gives a shit <laughs> and then it Boom. goes it goes Punk right rock. into credence yeah <laughs> and so i was i was i was reading and i was like okay so obviously his is credence because yeah. it, it goes That's with that whole like softening it, yeah. oh but, i was wondering why why you would be playing credence at the end of this movie even though it's an awesome spooky song but saulnier has said that yes that could be true but there are two desert island bands for pat and that at one point in filming, he whispered that band into his ear and said, you can never tell anybody. So he's like, we're the only two that know what band. Aww. But yes, within like the storyline of the movie, it does make sense for it to be Credence. And Saulnier has also admitted that his Desert Island band is Black Sabbath. I thought it was like, I don't know, a little cheesy. Like at first, they're answering that question when they're doing like the podcast interview or whatever. And... The one guy says, like, Misfits. I mean, I love the Misfits <laughs> as much as anyone, but, I mean, they have, like, two proper albums or and then, like, some redone stuff by Danzig Lair. I, I wouldn't, if you're on a desert island, I think you want more than, like, two or three albums of two-minute yeah, songs, they first were, off. they were flexing. They were trying yeah. to act Right, okay, sure. Hard, right, know? that's yeah. what you were saying, where they're kind of flexing at first, yeah. and then later they're starting to say Madonna and Simon Garfield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that question, because, like, the answer, whatever you say, you're going to be sick of on a desert island. There's mm-hmm. no, like, you're on a desert island. You know, you're you know going to be I sick picked? of whatever it is. You know who I picked? The Stranglers. Oh, because hard. the Stranglers started like in the 60s and they still make albums now. They have like 60 albums. I always try to think of who who has the most they have stuff so to So many albums that yeah. they yeah. change up their style from album to album as well. I hate those questions. My daughter asks me all the time. I do too. I'm not like, answering it. Who, what's say. your favorite band? And I'm like, right now? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, what Is kind of Justin mood Bieber a band? <laughs> He's got a backup band. I just Kevin. answer Harry Styles now. Uh, how was that show? I didn't go. You didn't go. You just sent the girls. Wow. Back to horror. Sorry. Fuck Nazis. Fuck Proud Boys. And fuck anyone who sympathizes with them. So if I'm to understand you correct, you are coming out on this podcast. Mm. Public platform. Yes. Anybody can listen to this. 
you mm-hmm. say no Nazis for you. No, none for me. Thank yeah, you, I, please. I, yeah, I don't think I think I've had it with the Nazis too. Yeah, enough's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are real jerks. They're real. They're real thorns in our sides as fucking white people. Am I right, you guys? Uh, guys, we talked about uh, Toxic Avenger on So Bad It's Good. Uh, Macon Blair is, as far as I know, currently is in production on the reboot. He is he's directing the reboot of Toxic Avenger. Wow! Wow! My he kind of has that ready. look like he's melting. That's that's a good cast. I should mention too. We didn't mention um, if you want to watch Dead Snow, you can watch it on the ad-supported Plex. Have you guys ever watched anything on Plex? It's it's it's, no. uh, it's terrible. No. I started watching Dead Snow on Plex, and the first ad comes pretty quick. But I'm like, all right, fine. You know, it's ad-supported. And then the second ad comes really quick, and it shows one out of six. And they're no. all 30 seconds long. Oh. So I abandoned Plex. Um, you can do that, or you can rent it on Prime or um, Apple TV. Thank you. Kevin, did you want to, where, where do you stand on the Nazis? I noticed you kind of <laughs> kind of slinking away from the mic here. I, I'm not sure where your sympathies lie. I, I, think, it's, I think it's pretty obvious that I, uh, I am anti. Okay. So well, as, as a group, we are anti-nazi fuck yes. nazis nazi yeah. punks fuck off fuck off <laughs>